This Wellness Couch podcast proudly brought to you by the Nourish Me Organics Gut Health Gurus podcast hosted by food scientist Kribben Govinda. If you're fascinated by all things gut health, the microbiome, fermented foods, mental health, mitochondrial health and more, then search for the Nourish Me Organics Gut Health Gurus podcast on your favorite podcast app and get listening. Imagine waking up and feeling ready to face the day with a smile, having more energy for your work, family and social life, fitting into your jeans and feeling good about your body, knowing what to eat and enjoying your food without guilt or confusion, dealing with the stress of daily life in a way that doesn't fry your chips and best of all, feeling relaxed, optimistic and in control of your health. It's all possible. I will show you how. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, energized life with straight-talking natural health and no BS, tell-it-like-it-is wellness show brought to you by qualified naturopath and functional medicine practitioner, Jules Galloway. That's me. Dr. Jay Lombard is a forward-thinking neurologist like no other and a trailblazer in the field of integrative neuropsychiatry. His curiosity and tenacity, combined with a heartfelt compassion for his patients, is widely respected throughout the integrative medical community. In this episode, we talk about integrative medical interventions for neurodegenerative conditions like ALS, Parkinson's disease, and Alzheimer's disease. Dr. Lombard strongly believes there is a huge link between underlying infections in the body, especially gastrointestinal bugs like C. difficile, and neurodegenerative diseases. These bugs are evolutionarily designed to be resistant to everything we throw at them, including the latest antibiotics, so the discussion around this is fascinating. We also talk about genetic testing, the overwhelming nature of the results, and why the outcomes of these tests may cause more confusion than good. Could there be something more important than genetics when it comes to neurological diseases? Keep listening to find out. We also chat about the best way forward in patient care, and how practitioners from all paradigms and modalities can come together to create better outcomes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode, another one in the series from the Bioceutical Symposium. This one is with Dr. Jay Lombard. Okay, here we are at the Bioceutical Symposium on a Sunday, and I have in front of me the amazing Dr. Jay Lombard. Dr. Jay is an internationally acclaimed neurologist, author and speaker. His discoveries have been regarded by key opinion leaders as fundamentally shifting the paradigm of psychiatric medicine. So we love our people at this symposium this weekend who are on the edge making change happen. So thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Jay. My pleasure. Thank you. Now, just give us a bit of a broad you know, introduction to all of this and let us know why are you so passionate about this area of medicine? How did you fall into this? Because I've heard some great stories this weekend. Hmm. <laughs> Everyone seems to find their own special way there. Hmm. Well, uh, I guess my passion for neurology became uh, sort of it bloomed. I had a very tragic experience in my personal life, which was my dad had a massive stroke when I was 19. And um, I watched a man who was gregarious, loving, uh, loquacious, uh, sophisticated, you know, every wonderful thing you can think about, a father especially, uh, become completely disabled, paralyzed, uh, and essentially, you know, lost his speech, lost his sense of humor, and, and died a year later from a stroke. 
So I, I figured that that would be something I would devote my life to, uh, helping other people avoid those kinds of tragedies. Uh, going through neurology training, unfortunately, uh, even to this day, most of neurology is diagnosed and adios, meaning that uh, we're very good as diagnosticians. Uh, yes, you have a patient with ALS, or yes, you, you diagnose with Parkinson's disease. Yes, you have Alzheimer's disease. Uh, but we have very few um, you know, proven beneficial interventions to choose for patients who are suffering from these diseases. So I went through a, a really sort of uh, a frustrated endeavor, uh, only frustrated to the point that it, it had driven me to find uh, answers to problems that were considered intractable problems. Um, so I made sort of points of my career to focus on uh, what people have thought were incurable diseases. Um, and that's been a very continuous passion for me. And also, it's a very iterative process, meaning that, um, you know, you, you never know enough about the brain. It's not like uh, the heart or the kidneys that are really simplistic uh, in terms of their, their pump function and, you know, pumping heart in, pumping blood out. The brain is so, so complicated uh, and so elegant that it's, a, it's, a, it's an organ that you can study your entire life and still really know nothing about. So... Um, People say to me, you know, what do I know about the brain? I say, I, I, I know almost nothing about the brain. Um, but that's a good place to be because when you realize you know nothing is when you're allowed uh, to actually discover things because if you think you know something about the brain, uh, it's more likely than not that what you think you know is wrong. It's almost like if you know nothing, you've got nothing to lose. Something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, so also this weekend we've been doing a lot uh, of work on gene testing mm -hmm. and genomics and it is quite, I, I don't want to say fashionable, but I almost want to say fashionable thing that's happening in Australia at the moment is that okay. everyone wants to run out and get their genes tested. Like right. Everyone's like, this is the answer, right. this is what we're doing, oh my God, I'm going to go and get my genes tested and then they get all this information and it's very overwhelming. Yes. Uh, so talk to me about how you see the role of genetic testing in the diagnosis and treatment of, you know, disease. Yep. So and, first of all, that's a, that's a yeah. really wonderful insight and also a great question. And the, w the way I would answer that is as follows. Um, in anything in science, um, the goal is actually to increase the signal and decrease the noise in a system, right? So whatever whatever you're studying... Uh, you want to know uh, that what you're studying uh, has a high effect size that makes it relevant to a clinical condition. And the problem with you know genetic testing in general is that if you don't understand, uh, uh, first of all, um, how to interpret genetic information, uh, and genetic information, by the way, is, is only probabilistic. It's not deterministic. And each gene has a different probabilistic effect. So, you know, kind of oversimplifying uh, a gene test result uh, that becomes prescriptive actually uh, creates more noise than signal for a patient's well-being. So we have to think not only about genetics in treating patients with conditions, because genetic information is important, obviously, right? It's not unimportant. But we have to understand that it's genetics. Uh, it's also a field called epigenetics, which is the expression of a gene. 
uh, and there's lots of research on epigenetics that have to do with essentially methylation processes because methylation is something people use clinically, um, how that affects gene expression. Uh, the third layer of this uh, sort of, I'll call it the, bi- the, the uh, biomics revolution, right? So biomics means that it's not just genetics, but it's also epigenetics. It's also proteomics. And what proteomics is, is in my mind, the most important element of biomics. Um, so if I, it's okay, can I talk about proteomics a little yeah, bit for the, for the group? So proteomics is the study of proteins. Uh, genes make proteins. So if a gene is defective, the reason it's defective is because it's making a, a protein that's no longer efficient at what its process actually is. So at the, the end of the road here in terms of pathology and disease risk is what is the effect that the gene has on the protein. So let's ask a, a more broad question uh, or answer a more broad question is how are proteins related to diseases like Alzheimer's disease? How are proteins related to diseases like multiple sclerosis? How are proteins related to diseases like autism or schizophrenia? And a lot of the research around proteomics has demonstrated that in most chronic diseases, most, uh, because you never want to say all, uh, but, but many, many, many chronic diseases are characterized by something called protein misfolding. Proteins are three-dimensional structures. Um, we can't think of proteins like we read about them in the textbook. They're not linear. They're three-dimensional. And if you affect the shape of a protein, it means that you're shaping, you're, you're changing the function of that protein. Just by a protein, let's say, should have a nice sort of, you know, circular ball-like structure. What happens if you now take that ball and you put a pin in it, and now you have a ball that's actually out of air, and you're trying to play baseball with that with that ball. So that's that's really, I think, you know, the, the most important aspect of omics is understanding the connection between genetics, epigenetics, and proteomics. Yeah. So we still have a lot coming up in the in the near future as well. I think every year we come to a symposium like this and just find out the next thing, the next layer and the next layer. Sure. And it sounds a little bit like we're peeling layers off an onion here. Right. Where, where, where do you get to the end result, right? <laughs> so that so so if I can cut to the chase with that question is, yes, I think that we are uh, both in you know, traditional medicine, but you know, just medicine in general is part of the goal of, of medicine is to be a Sherlock Holmes for, for your patient, meaning that you have to keep peeling those layers back uh, to find out what is the core uh, physiological process that's now become pathophysiological uh, that's rooted in, in the direct uh, alteration of a patient's physiology through 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 this protein issue, and what's been discovered, I talked a little bit about this at the at the other podcast, is that um, at least in neurodegenerative diseases. Now, I, I, I'm a neurologist, so I, I, I can't speak about other chronic diseases, but in neurodegenerative diseases, um, I call this a double hit hypothesis, meaning that that we have in patients with neurological problems. Uh, excessive amounts of abnormal protein buildup where the proteins are, are building up in an abnormal way. And we also have a problem getting rid of those proteins. So there's a problem with the increased amount of pathological proteins. There's also a problem with once those proteins are malformed, how does the brain and the body get rid of them? And I think if we understand that at a fundamental level, uh, that now opens up uh, the opportunity to actually treat these patients holistically uh, and, and not just exclusively pharmaceutically, 
um, once we understand that that is the pathogenesis of these these conditions. Yeah, so much, so much good stuff happening. Um, also, where naturopaths and doctors, I think, in Australia, can start working together to actually attack this on two different fronts because it sounds like some of this is going to have to be still treated medically, um, you know, with certain drugs, etc. Um, but I also think that on the other front, you've got detoxification pathways that need mm-hmm. to be worked with. You've got gut health that needs to be sorted out and you've got lifestyle and diet that need to be attended to as well. So I see a lot of scope there for collaboration. 100%. And let me say, look, I'm a neurologist that, that you know, is not adverse to prescribing medication, but I will tell you that, that medications in general, particularly in psychiatry, uh, are purely symptomatic, uh, meaning that they, they're not addressing the cause of a psychiatric problem. They're basically just addressing an effect. Uh, and at best, these medications uh, only alleviate symptoms. Um, so I think that we need to be open to what medications can do and what they can't do uh, and what they, what they can cause as problems as well, which is why I think that we do need a collaborative integration. You know, integrative medicine, in my mind, really means that we have to take the best of, of our, you know, sort of categories of, of medicine, conventional medicine, naturopathic medicine, chiropractic medicine, uh, Chinese medicine, and really begin, you know, talking to each other and respecting each other that, that these are all systems that have their place in, you know, 21st century medicine. Uh, A, because, you know, um, conventional medicine, uh, you know, only at best is really has never cured any disease. What, what is, what is anything in conventional medicine cured? Um, the only, symptoms. <laughs> well, it, well what, what, yes, symptoms, but we can also say that they, they've, they've only been effective, uh, in regards to treating infections. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the good news is that, yes, you know, drugs have actually helped treat infections. The bad news is those same drugs have now led to super infections. So even though we can say, yes, you know, score one for, you know, pharmacology, infective disease. Yes, we're able to actually now eliminate, you know, um, you know, strep throat uh, or, you know, bacterial sinusitis. But what we've done is we've actually, in a sense, uh, population wise, um, have done more harm with the use of antibiotics um, at a population basis, not in the patient base. Patient, okay, great, I got antibiotic, I get better in, in, a, in three days instead of a week and a half. But we've created resistance now to organisms. And there's now, you know, one of the worst kept secrets is that there are now these superbugs uh, that are both, you know, bacterial, viral, um, as well as uh, yeast uh, that or, you know, there's no cure for none. Um, and there's many people who are infected with these diseases who are being treated with, you know, older antibiotics and, you know, they may get better for a couple of weeks, for instance, but remain sort of in this, you know, sort of revolving door of conventional medicine uh, because they only get better for short term. Then, you know, anyone reasonable is going to go, well, if this is only working in a short term basis, let me look at some natural approaches that may be better suited for this condition. And that, that's why I think there's an important need uh, for respect uh, from the conventional medicine side uh, for you know, physicians trained with looking at disease uh, from a, you know, a root cause perspective 
Um, but going back to the drawing board, meaning that, you know, can we borrow uh, from the best of, of conventional medicine in infectious disease, particularly, as well as the treatments that naturopaths have had for infectious disease through, you know, traditional medicine? Uh, can we come up with a, a game plan, basically, to help patients with chronic infectious disease, which, in my opinion, are the cause of neurodegenerative diseases? Yeah. And I know you were talking a lot uh, this week and about C. difficile yes. and the link between that and neurodegenerative diseases and also, in particular, ALS. Uh, yeah, that's something that we have seen a little bit of in Australia, but we're starting to see more of. Should we be all running out and getting tested for these infections, like proactively, uh, or is that just being paranoid? Um. You know, there's, there's a, the joke that just because a person's paranoid doesn't mean that things aren't against them, right? So, you know, being being concerned about uh, an infection, uh, you know, is 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 one thing. I, I don't think people should be concerned uh, that if they have C. difficile, that means they have ALS. God forbid that that should be any take-home message from anything I say. Um, because, first of all, we, we've not proven yet that that ALS is caused by bacterial infection. There's lots of evidence to suggest that there is, but you know, that doesn't mean that 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 people should run out and go, "Oh my god, I've seen difficile infection, that means I'm going to get ALS." That is completely not the right message to give in in any podcast or interview. However, the flip side of that is that there is, you know, a growing body of concern uh, both in the you know the research community of neurologists, that yes, the microbiome uh, is uh, whether it's causally associated or it's just you know associated but not causally associated. But there's a relationship between alterations in the microbiome uh, and chronic neurological diseases. So to answer your question, you know what do people do, right? So if they're symptomatic, right, meaning if they have you know GI symptoms. Um, then yes, they should probably, you know, find a lab that's able to test, uh, properly through validation methods, uh, which bacteria they may be infected with. And that opens up, you know, another whole Pandora box because there's lots of labs that actually test for various types of bacteria, both commensal bacteria and pathogenic bacteria. And the quality of those results really vary, uh, depending upon what assays they're using. Uh, and even what they're looking for. You, you can't find something if you don't know what you're looking for, right? So if we're saying that, uh, in, in the case of ALS, uh, if we're saying that, that ALS is, is associated with, with, you know, clostridium infection, for instance, we have to look specifically for that strain of clostridium. Because if you, if you don't look for that, you're going to have either false positive results or false negative results and set a person on a path that may not be the proper path for treatment. So um, the short answer is that uh, they, that, that listeners should find uh, you know a well qualified physician uh, who understands uh, the microbiome, uh, understands you know what the proper diagnostic tests are to confirm uh, or or rule out uh, a potential bacterial pathogen like C. difficile, but there are others as well, right? It's H. pylori, uh, other bacterium that that may play a role in these diseases. Um, but you have to know how to test for them, where to test for them, 
and also what to do with those results. Because once you have a patient now that you say, okay, well, I think that you know, your, you know, your Parkinson's disease is associated with E. coli, let's say, and they come back and they have an E. coli positive, you know, PCR testing, you know, does that set off further paranoia? Meaning that, okay, well, we have a result now. We think this result may be uh, correlated with your disease, but we don't know how to treat this problem. That's also not a good place for us to be as healthcare practitioners. We have to actually understand not only how to make proper diagnoses, but how to actually intervene properly uh, in regards to these conditions. And, uh, you know, these bacteria, as I was mentioning through the symposium, uh, are evolutionarily designed to be resistant to everything we throw at them, <laughs> right? Yep. So we're, we're fighting an enemy that is unfortunately, even though it's a very small microscopic enemy, uh, from a biological basis, uh, has really outwitted everything we've thrown at them, right? We throw the best antibiotics at them and they just mutate into another form of the bacteria. So we, A, we can't detect them and B, we, we can't even treat them. So we, we have a lot of learning to do, uh, particularly about how to identify which bacteria are associated with chronic disease, as well as, um, you know, what are the most effective treatments for those conditions. And I would say, just, I don't know how much longer we have for our interview here, but um, that we need to understand that we, we, we're going to have to really be open-minded to understanding that we have to take the best of the best to beat bacteria, the best of the best. Um, and that means that, you know, I've heard a lot of great suggestions from the doctors here in Australia. By the way, I, I love this country. Um, invite me back anytime. Just pay for food and lodging and, <laughs> and I'll, I'll be back uh, because such wonderful clinicians here um, that really have their hearts in the right places. And they've actually taught me as, as I think more than I taught them, meaning that they've mentioned a lot of, you know, non-pharmaceutical agents that are, have antibacterial cytal effects, uh, that have been beneficial in their patients. And I would say to, you know, listeners who are not part of the, the, the practitioner side, uh, to find a, a doctor who actually understands this, the nuances of this question and understands properly how to interpret data properly beyond just genetic data, uh, uh, but to use those to strengthen the signal-to-noise ratio in both diagnosis and treatment. Well, thank you so much for coming all this way to teach us this weekend. I know that we've learned a lot of very, very valuable insights. Thank you to you and all the other speakers. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, Dr. Jay Lombard, I won't take up any more of your valuable time, but thank you so much for sharing with us today. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Straight Talking Natural Health. If you liked what you heard, hit subscribe. That way you'll never miss an instalment. If you're a fan, please take a moment to leave me a review on iTunes. It helps other listeners to find this podcast too. Also, check out my website at julesgalloway.com. You'll find all the podcast episodes there along with loads of blog posts and resources to help you on the path back to finding your happy, energized self again. There's also a free quiz to help you assess your risk of burnout and adrenal dysfunction. So if you've been burning the candle at both ends, or maybe you've been super busy or stressed recently, take the quiz now to see where your body is at. That's at julesgalloway.com. And let's connect. Follow my adventures on Facebook and Instagram at Jules Galloway Health. Till next time, remember, look after your awesome self because it gives others permission to do the same. Bye for now.
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.